Um, last Sunday, we started to discuss the um, the chant in praise of Zazen by the 18th century Zen master Hakuin, and um, as I said last week, he's a very uh, very key figure in. Uh, in, in Zen, and um, and as we, as you know, we, we're starting to beginning to get an idea now that um, our Zen practices, the journey of Zen, is the movement from or the transition or the transformation from self to no self, and that's a, that's not an overnight matter; <laughs> it's a lifetime journey, and. Um, and, uh, you know, the, um, the self-centered self, um, again, it's when, we, when we chant caught in the self-centered self, it's a much, um, it, it's a much bigger idea than just you know, selfishness or narcissism. It's, it, it really is about um, the whole way most human beings experience themselves as being separate. And... Um, and we experience ourselves as um, 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 there's, there's me and there's others. And um, so as, as long as we are caught in, in that self-centered dream, we're going to suffer. As the song of Zazen, or the, praise of, the poem in praise of Zazen says, the, um, the cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. So the ego delusion that Hakuin's referring to is what we call the self-centered dream. And um, we had that image in the in the poem of the uh, of the water and the eyes of um, Buddha nature being water and we are eyes and the idea of how we gradually uh, unfreeze the ice. And uh, so the sense in which um, the self-centered Dream to some extent creates this wall around us, and it's the wall of anxiety, the wall of uh, wall of wall of shame, the wall of pride, the wall of uh, anger. All of these emotions that arise from when we're caught in the self-centered dream, and part of our um, our practice on a daily basis is to really catch ourselves. Uh, Especially, you know, the judgments that we make on a on a regular basis of ourselves and others, because judgments are a really really good way of of capturing how this whole process of um, the ego self arises and how the whole process of these ego based emotions arises. And um, so, it's um, you know, we, 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 so there's. You know, we're moving from self-centered self to no self, but no self's a difficult idea to get. We'll talk about that. But in between that, there's a kind of uh, a long, fairly long transitional process, what Joko calls um, moving from relative unhappiness to relative happiness. And uh, that's also the stage in our lives when we might engage in some kind of psychotherapy as well. And... Uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, in the um, in the poem, Hakuin makes a reference to a, a parable 
uh, of the child from a wealthy home. Um, quite um, where he talks about how near the truth, yet how far we seek, like one in water crying, our th I thirst, or like a child of rich birth, wandering poor on this earth. Um, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The six worlds for you who went here last week, that's just the Buddhist cosmology of the, they have this kind of division of sans the world of samsara, the world of birth and death, is the, uh, the realm of the hungry ghosts, um, the realm of hell, the hell realm, and um, the realm of the human beings, and um, the realm of fighting demons, and um, there's a realm of the divas or gods as well, which are very pleasant places to be in. <laughs> and so this idea in, of the hub, and then at, at the center is the still point. I guess at the center is the no-self and the still point, which we'll be practicing in Zazen. And, uh, and, uh, but how we endlessly circle around these psychological states, so not, you don't have to take them literally, but you just can take them as metaphors of descriptions of psychological states. And um, so as long as we're caught in the self-centered dream, we're going to be revolving around these different psychological states all the time. And uh, so the, 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 the story or the parable of the, of the, of the, of the, of the young you know, the man who was uh, wandering around on this earth, um, a child of rich birth, it's a story which comes from the Lotus Sutra. But, well, the interesting thing about the story and, uh, is it can, and like, like any story, it can be interpreted in different ways. So the idea is this young man got lost at some early stage and wandered off and uh, forgot his, he had a rich father and um and uh and you know wandered as a beggar and um eventually the father sees him wandering in the street and not only does the son not recognize him but the interesting thing about the story is also afraid of the father in the in the story it talks about him being uh, afraid of being taken into slave labor or something but there's a sense in which um, so if we, if we take the father, you know, it, this, this is the father could mean, um, you know, God, or if you, if you prefer reality with a capital R, the sense in which when we're moving from self to no self, we, uh, we're wanting to um, dwell in reality, to abode in the reality of no self. And, um, and that's, that, that can be... A scary thing because in that process the ego self, you know, has to die, um, and, that, and that's a very gradual process. Was, you know, and sometimes it can be a, a nice opening experience which lasts for a little while, but like most of the time, it's just this gradual, very very gradual process. And um, but like until we get, you know, we we can't go from self to no self very quickly. So. The fact that the son is afraid of the father, uh, it reminded me a lot of how, not everybody, but a lot of people I meet um, are actually uncomfortable with loving themselves or uncomfortable expressing compassion to themselves. And uh, sometimes when, when doing a, a loving kindness meditation or practicing self-compassion, it is nice to just place one's palm of one's hand on the heart region, just to have that sense of, of um, attending to what's blocking the access to our open heart. 
And uh, one of the nice things about Ezra's um, four-line um, loving-kindness meditation is that the, those four lines are actually correspond, the first four lines correspond to the stages of practice in a way. So the first line, uh, may I dwell in the open heart, is the kind of aspiration to, to awake, the aspiration to um, heal. And, um, and then the second line, may I attend to what a, whatever's blocking access to the open heart or whatever's clouding access to the open heart is probably the main place where we work most of the time. And, um, and, and so part of that practice is how we start to cultivate the loving kindness or self-compassion towards ourselves. Because um, so much of our suffering gets created by our judgments of ourselves as well as of others. And uh, so many of us, as you know, uh, beat ourselves up with various forms of self-criticism. So bringing our attention to that and, uh, and gradually starting to um, befriend um, so the, um, you know, the, so in the story the father sees that the, the ego self is running away, doesn't want to approach him, he's afraid of approaching him. So it's almost like he does some in a, um, um, overcoming phobia based therapy, like a sense in which we have a phobia about finding our true self or, or finding our love for ourselves. So the, the father does this clever thing where he, he gets this other person to employ the son on his property so that he becomes, the son moves in closer proximity to the father. And so then just gradually starts to get a sense in which this person in the story. Has a, starts to have a, develop an affection towards him, so he starts to trust the father. And, and it's a sort of similar thing in, in, in self-compassion practice, how we uh, might feel a bit strange to begin with to try and you know feel love for ourselves or the different parts of ourselves. Um, but like over time, it's that gradual um, getting used to the idea that um, we, it's perfectly fine to love ourselves and that. Being, uh, being at home and being comfortable with that is the beginning of this process of what Joko calls it, this movement from relative unhappiness to happiness. It's very hard to move from relative unhappiness to no self. You're better off getting a sense of you know, relative happiness. We're never going to be happy all the time. But like a sense in which we have some sense of stability, a sense of being kind to ourselves that's established. And, uh, and then that takes us to the stage then where we can really do some, continue that work and deepen it. And, um, and so that, that takes us to that point of um, what Hakuin talks about um, and what um, on the third line of the practice um, is, um, may I be awake, very simply, may I be awake in this moment just as it is. If we take just as it is, or what is, as the Father, or as God, or reality with a capital R, and then we're starting to lose our fear of what is. Because what is, is the ultimate absolute reality. What is, is this moment that we're experiencing. And um, so, with this practice of Zazen, we learn 
over time to start to love what is. And, and we start to get less aversive and less fearful of what is. And we then start to touch on no self. And no self is not, it's really, really simple. Um, uh, but it's very, very difficult to practice. Mm -hmm. So in our practice, we talk about uh, becoming this open awareness of our sensations and the sounds. Simple as that. But to actually be fully aware of sensations or sounds, if you can do that for a few seconds, you're doing pretty good. Because the, the ego self um, does all it can to keep our attention. It doesn't want to die. And, um, and it will continue to interfere with that process of just being what is all the time. And that's fine, because that's how it works. Um, so like, even just being able just to be the sensations, just really, really complete and fully giving ourselves to our body sensations, surrendering to what is. Uh, if you do that for 20 seconds, you're doing pretty good. And it's that repetition of coming back, is that's where the where genuine healing can take place. Just by fully surrendering and allowing and loving what is that we are experiencing right now in this body. Remember, this body is Buddha. Buddha is no other than this moment, the rain, the sensations in our bodies. I always love meditating in the rain, always. And, um, but it's not easy. <laughs> and uh, to, um, to actually dwell in no self. Um, and the reward we get from dwelling in no self eventually is that <coughs> the emotional reactivity starts to die down. And the number of times in which we get caught in the self-centered self starts to reduce gradually. And there'll be moments when we just, just a very simple experience of joy, not a yeah thing, but it's like a, just a lovely feeling of oneness and at-homeness within ourselves. Um, and that the, the absence of wanting to be somewhere else, or the absence of striving for this and wanting that. And um, we start to taste that a little bit. And um, so no self is loving what is. It's just this. And, um, and it takes a lifetime. But um, I think it's worth it. So, um, are there any questions about that? So being still, being quiet, 
doing the Zazen practice formally, we start to get a sense of what no self is. And, uh, and then when we get up off our cushions, that's like moving from self-centered self is not moving to other-centered self. It's not like we become just focused on others. It's more like moving from a self-centered self just to simply a centered self. <coughs> So we're not, then we're responding to the, our relationships and to the worlds from that centered place. Not from our ego centered place, but just from centered in reality. And hopefully then, those responses will then create less harm. And uh, that's why the whole ethical foundation of Zen practice is founded on Zazen. We're much less likely to hurt someone else when we're responding from that no self place. So just hearing, just experiencing, and then really making that distinction between when we get caught in a thought, or a judgment, or a belief. Seeing clearly the distinction between the direct experience of the body sensation as opposed to coming from a thought or a belief. When we are at one with this moment, just even for a couple of seconds, a sense of non-separation. And sometimes there'll be a, it's almost like you'll just be fully transparent, like nobody there but just the sound, just the sensation. And that's intimacy. And that's love, and then we, we take that into our relationships. No self.